Welcome to the Growing Family Podcast. We're a family of four discovering what it means to grow our family and our farm one season, one seed, and one animal at a time. Get ready to grow with us. Today we're talking about wine again. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about wine for all you winos out there. Welcome, welcome. Um, we're actually going to get more into pruning, um, the wine, the grapes, grapes, baby grapevines. <laughs> I can't. Pruning the wine. <laughs> Don't make a mom do this. I can't do <laughs> like a in podcast. The, in the middle of breastfeeding, like just trying to think of words. I can't, I can't think of words. That's hilarious. And we're going to prune some wine. <laughs> I can't. Maybe that's what we can call it. Like whenever you're going to open a bottle of wine. Like, yeah. Getting the corkscrew out and you're just like, I'm going to prune some wine. Oh my gosh. I worked at a wine room called Vino Villa for a little bit and I knew really nothing about wine and I didn't even know how to open a wine bottle. (laughs) And the first time I did it, the guy in front of me that was trying to watch me do it, he was like, wow, I should apply here. (laughs) If you're able to work here, I should apply. (laughs) Emery. Oh, she's getting a lot of, she must have a lot of milk. Oh, she's pooping too. Oh, oh it's just oh, coming out of both oh, directions. Oh. Girl. You okay? And that's how you get milk drunk. She doesn't even head. need any wine. Did you hear her? <laughs> well, she has something to say. <laughs> she's just, she's a natural. She's so sweet. But yeah, so basically last podcast we were we were able to get through a little bit of grape growing yeah, I would 101. Give, go back and give that one a listen if you're just now tuning in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, otherwise it'll feel like we're starting in the middle because we kind of are. Yeah, literally picking it right back up. Um, we were talking about some um, grapes that you can plant in your backyard and how to do that a little bit. Yeah. But I want to talk a little bit more about pruning because it is an art, like you said last week. So for someone who has never done this before, how do you even know what to do, how to do it, or what resources can you look at? Yeah, so last, so the last podcast we talked a little bit about the fact that it would be probably three to five years before you actually end up getting fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, now that three-year mark, you're going to, you know, you might have some grape clusters, but you're not going to get like a full harvest until that like fifth year-ish. Yeah. Um, so basically that first year, you're just trying to get, the first two, three years, you're just trying to get your grapevine into the shape of your method, whatever the growing method that you're going for. And I don't want to get all into the details of that because there's so many of them and there's so many different reasons to use the different ones, depending on your, that variety that you're growing, depending on what part of the country you're in, depending on your needs for that grapevine, you know, just the location that you're planting your vineyard in. There's so many factors, so I'm not going to suggest a specific one. Um, I just know that in those first two, three years, you're trying to get the plant, A, established in the location that you're planting it in, because like we talked about last time, you're going to be buying this grapevine from somewhere else. You're Rarely are you growing from seed your own variety, you know? it's For the most part, you are getting that vine online or from a, a nursery somewhere, and so it's going to need to get established in the soil that you have. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to need to grow it into whatever funky shape and 
structure you're trying to get it to grow into. Yeah. And so you're just establishing. So really in that first three years, any clusters, grape clusters you get, you want to prune those out. You don't want to try to get a harvest. Oh yeah. It's like most fruit plants. Like you, you just want to fruiting, like fruiting woody perennials are going to be there for 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So you are, you're having a long-term investment in these plants. And so what you have to do is you have to think long-term you can't just say, oh, there's this tiny little cluster. Like, I want to grow it out and, and yeah, get a little taste of grapes. Because what you're doing is you're going to weaken the structure that you're basing the rest of your 10, 20, 30 years off of mm-hmm. by allowing that plant to put all its effort into growing you a subpar um, grape cluster. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get those out of there, prune them out, and then allow that plant to put its effort and energy into shoring up and strengthening the trunk and the cordons or the arms or the branches, whatever you want to call them, um, and then strengthening whatever other system, however you're growing that grapevine. You're just wanting it to strengthen its structure in those first two, three years. Mm-hmm. Then you can think about you know, positioning the clusters that are going to come off of that and the way you prune those things. So for the most yeah. part in grapes, you're going to have either spur pruning or you're gonna have um, head pruning. I think it's I think it's called cane pruning. That's what it's called. Um, so in in wine grapes, for the most part, especially in this part of the country, you're gonna have spur pruned grapes. So I, I'm gonna talk just about that because I don't want to get like we don't need it. We don't need to be here for an hour talking about different <laughs> pruning practices. Because in the same way that there's a million different ways to trellis your grapevines, there's all as equal number of ways. To prune them mm-hmm. and then depending on who you're asking there's different ways to do it within those ways you so just it's, have to find a place to start exactly so i'm going to try to stay basic um so for the most part you're growing your trunk straight up and you're growing a cordon or two from that trunk mm-hmm. and so these are going to be think of it like arms so you have the body or the trunk of the plant and then it's going to branch out into an arm or two and then from that cordon, you're going to have spurs. So it's basically you're going to have these little one, two, or three node long um, pieces of branch that you're pruning down to. Mm-hmm. So you have your main trunk, and then you have the arms. And then it's going to grow crazy. You're going to have all these buds that pop off of those the last year. And then when you come through to prune prior to your growing season, so this is sometime in this part of the country, you know, we're in Indiana, Zone 5. So you're going to be pruning in March for the most part. So it's like either pre-bud break or just after the buds start to push and before they get to like, I think it's two to three inches. So when you're still in that one to two inch long bud, before you get a bunch of leaves popping, you're going to have a little bit of new growth. So you can kind of see like this part of the country we have, we have pretty harsh winters. So um, you'll have some, some dieback from the winter you know, in California, they don't really have to worry about that. They can just prune everything exactly perfect, and they know every single bud's going to pop unless it has some kind of disease. Here, you have dieback every winter. Like, the tips are going to usually die back to a certain point. Um, and so you're going to want to find your, like, living buds. And sometimes you're just stuck. Like, if it's a variety that's not very cold-hardy, you just prune out the dead and hope for the best, mm-hmm. you know? But... The ideal would be that you have 
one, two, maybe three max um, buds that are going to push and be your new um, your new canes, your new branches. And so on each one of those branches is going to be a cluster of grapes from the first, second, third node. And a node is like the little bud mm-hmm. on the side. So you have your nodes and your inner nodes. You can think of it like that. Um, if you think about it like a potato has eyes, that's a node. Mm-hmm. Um, or... Like if you see like a, really anything. I mean, any plant has nodes and inner nodes. There you have the part where the leaves or the buds or the shoots are coming off. That's your node. And then that bare space between them is your internode. So you're going to have your first bud. It's going to push, which means it's going to grow a little shoot. And you have an internode. And you have another node. It's going to push. It's going to grow a shoot. It's going to keep doing that, alternating on either side of the branch. And then you're going to have basically fruit clusters on the bottom three nodes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would say you you just prune down to your th- three nodes. Then you're going to get branches. They're going to fruit. And you may have to do another pruning in the summer. Um, and that one's just to, to, to bring those branches back in a little bit and to allow some airflow. Because if you get your grapes start to grow and they're all smashed together and there's not any airflow, you're just asking for powdery mildew. You're just asking for disease. You're asking for mold to grow in there. If you can, if you can kind of clear out some of that new um, green growth and some of those leaves, then you can allow for more airflow, and then you're not going to have the disease pressure that you would have. So we can probably go and put a, a blog post up on some more specifics on pruning with mm-hmm. pictures because there's only so much you can really get. Like Unless you have done this before, there's only so much of what I'm saying that's going to like really click in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, f- a picture, a diagram is going to be so much more helpful, yeah. but for the most part, what you want it to look like, yeah, yeah. For the most part, those are the basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting how in order for it to taste good, you have to prune it, you know, you can't just leave it sitting. Yeah. Like if you just let the, let, let the plant grow and you yeah. don't ever prune it back. Yeah. You're just going to have a monster of a, a vine mm-hmm. and it's going to have like so the goal in pruning a grapevine, again, all this is just subjective to like this part of the country because that's where, for the most part, right, I'm Midwest. pruning. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, for, so the goal is you're looking for thirty to fifty um, cluster the grape clusters per plant, per vine. Right. Um, and so, so if you don't prune some of the those fruitful clusters that are fruitful vines out, yeah, they'll have fruit on them. And so they'll flower, they'll set fruit, but now your vine is trying to ripen how many, how many pounds? I mean, I don't know, 30, 50, hundred pounds of fruit. It's going to get, that vine can only take up so many nutrients. That vine can only push so much sap through its, um, I wanted to say veins, but through its, ah. its, um, its branches to ripen that fruit, it can only collect so much sunlight um, in the form of energy or energy in the form of sunlight to help ripen that fruit. And so if you have 10 times the amount of grapes, it's going to get those grapes 90% less, um, mature. Right. And so, yeah, the birds might like them and yeah, they might produce perfectly good seeds that will like the plant itself is going to do just fine. Cause it's going to just reproduce but what we want it for is we want flavor you know we want nice big fully ripened grapes Mm -hmm. and so what they found is that 30 to 50 cluster per vine 
is kind of the sweet spot for maximum yield and With maximum flavor. flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It's something like you've told me about before. And then um, I'd be like sitting reading my Bible and seeing Jesus talking through a parable about wine and pruning mm-hmm. and how important that is to even just like prune yourself in ways like there are like let, allowing God to do that, to yeah. prune back some of the things that you don't need to have or, you know. Yeah. I mean, th- think about it. You have a hundred friends. Yeah. You can only devote X amount of time to friendships. So that means you have to divide that amount of time between your hundred friends. How good of a friend are you being? Yeah. Or you can have 10, 12 friends and now you, now you can devote that same amount of energy and time and effort into 10 or 12 friends. Mm-hmm. So then those friendships are going to be strengthened even more. Yeah. So you prune, you know, your vineyard, but you're, you can also think about it for your life as well. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I like everything about vineyards and I just think they're beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Like, I were talking about in the last episode, just staring at it, just looking at it, it just brings a lot of peace. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I love being in the vineyard, you know, especially mm-hmm. pruning, which is a weird because most people like try to stay away from pruning because yeah. it's just monotonous. But to me, it's so calming and it's just like you, just you and yeah. then like you're interacting with that plant in a way that you are shaping its future. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like it's just such a cool experience to me. And when we were dating, you took me a couple of times to prune with you. Yeah. At, yeah. Free um, labor. Sugar Creek. Yeah. yeah. Free labor. But <laughs> um, I didn't know I would like it so much. I think being around you and you showing me how fun it can be helped a lot. But I did really enjoy every part of that. And I, yeah. miss, I miss it too. I think about that. There you go. That's a plug. Anyone who wants to come uh, <laughs> prune with me, you'll enjoy it. It's, yeah. It feels like work, but it's also fun. He's trying to get free labor, though. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so I did say in the last episode that you would share your favorite wine and how it was made. So can you talk a little bit about that from yeah, California? Yeah, I, I might try to like type it up real quick and see if I can't like find the actual vineyard. Um, oh, okay. You because, can't remember the name of it? Uh, I don't want to like miss... Um, Misspeak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Give me a second. Ooh, that's really loud. Oh, it's not that loud to me, but I guess we'll see when we pull it into oh the computer. Ooh, and Emery also, while you're looking that up, she just had a blowout diaper. Oh my gosh! Why I'm are you just holding that? her. <laughs> like because people, this like, is real life. This like is making life. people salivate over wine, and then you're like, oh, then my baby pooped out of their well, diaper. This is real life right here. You know, you're trying to record a podcast, and this kind of stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, so the. So the, recap the question real quick now that we've talked about blowout diapers. <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> how do you, how does a blowout diaper relate to wine? <laughs> Just oh, gosh. Let's, don't even put those things okay. in the same. Um, no, I was um, asking what the best wine you've ever had was and how it was like grown. Yeah. So I was introduced on my, my first time out in California. I was introduced to... Um, well, just wine tasting in general. Like I've never been wine tasting before I went out and worked in the vineyard. So we, myself and the other interns, uh, just went on a weekend trip to like Napa Valley, which is like the classic wine country, California. Napa. Um, yeah. So we went and we were doing wine tastings and we had an intern there that was from 
France, and he and some one of his so he had a friend that came here from France, and they had went on a wine tasting trip the weekend prior, and he had suggested this this vineyard to go check it out um, because they grow organic um, vines, mm-hmm. and so and he's like so so into this stuff, and you know he's kind of a wine guy. Aren't all vines organic? Uh, no. What does that mean, organic so, vines? Like, so the p- growing practices uh-huh. for the grapes were organic, meaning they don't, they're not using chemical pesticides. Oh, they're I see, I see. They're not using chemical fertilizers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Most places use Oh, that. yeah. I mean, you got to kill the bugs. They're going to... The but they're not doing all... that. No, no, no. This, okay. That's one of the reasons I really like this place. Um because you're so, not worried about what's in your getting in your wine. Or, yeah, and I'm not an yeah. organic snob or whatever. Like I'm not like, oh, if you're not organic, I'm not eating your produce. No, there's a lot to be said about the idea of being organic, and there's a lot to be said about the necessity for chemical herbicides and pesticides. And we can debate that all we want, but you know, you're not going to feed the world on organic food. <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, so. This vineyard is called Robert Sinsky Vineyards, and they make their own wine. And um, I could probably double check the about us part of this, but the way I understood it from the wine uh, tasting that we did was basically, as this husband and wife um, decided to start their own uh, winery. We should do that, winery. Steven. <laughs> oh gosh, well, uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I love vineyards, but I probably would hate it if I did yeah, it as my true. main job. It's um, a side thing. So they basically decided to start their own uh, vineyard and tasting room, mm-hmm. uh, or winery and tasting room, and so they they grow their own vines there on the property. And the, so from again, from what I understood back then, it, the husband was the winemaker, and the wife was a chef. Um, oh, wow. A professional chef, and so what they did was, um, in order to stay organic, like they didn't, they don't mow. They just have like animals, sheep, mm-hmm. basically sheep and goats that they come through and and mow the grass for them, and um, fertilize the vines for them. You know, in the process, and then they don't even use yeast, like they don't even use like purchased yeast. Like they are all um, native yeast. So I guess. <laughs> to to tilt the the tail back a little bit um when you make wine the first thing you tend to do after you crush the grapes and have the juice or whatever is you throw in um you throw in there's like a mix i think it's like there's a type of acid um basically you're killing all of the native anything that's already on those because you're just you're just harvesting grapes from a from a vineyard that's open air you know there's bugs there's like maybe animals like who knows there's all kinds like when they harvest these major vineyards they're coming through with a machine so you get like bird nests and like all kinds of stuff in the mix Mm -hmm. and so they're they're tossing um chemicals into the wine to kill all the native yeast all the native bacteria that was already on those grapes naturally. Um, and then after that, then they toss in a wine making yeast to, to basically convert sugars into alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a yeast that's, that is a little more strong, a little more sturdy and that it's more consistent in flavor. So basically when you're getting that, when you're drinking your wine and you're like, this is the best tasting, it's what you're what you're eating is or what you're drinking is um, the byproduct of the yeast consuming sugar. 
Mm-hmm. So you have yeast that eats the sugar, the, the ju- you know, that's in the grape juice, and it's, you know, pooping out or producing alcohol. And then basically in that alcohol, there are, there are flavor profiles that are being created by that yeast processing those sugars. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's a bunch of other things too, but that's, that's the majority of it. So this vineyard doesn't actually inoculate with a winemaking, you know, air quotes, winemaking yeast. They use the natural yeast that is present on the grapes already to ferment the wine. So they're not killing all these bacteria and yeast and to start over. They're just like going with whatever's out there. Okay. And then they're, re- they're basically, the cool thing that they do, and this might be getting a little too detailed, but I love it. They take the, what's left over after they make the wine, like all the skins and all that and like the seeds and everything. They dump it back in the vineyard to like slowly decompose over time. And then the yeast that was naturally on and during the winemaking process on those skins and whatever, they're just basically putting it back in the vineyard. So they're, so they're like composting. Yeah, but they're pre, like pre-inoculating. It's like they're mm. putting the yeast in the vineyard instead of putting the yeast directly into the wine. Yeah. Does that make sense? So they're not wasting and they're helping their wine for the next time at yeah, the same time. Pretty much. Yeah, it's super cool. Like I just I love that whole concept because it's like a full circle. They're like no waste. And then they use the the meat from the sheep and the goats or whatever they have out there, you know, mowing their grass. They're not mowing. They're just using these animals. They use the meat in the restaurant at mm. the wine tasting. So like they would bring out like a little tray of like you know, like a charcuterie tray. But uh-huh. the meats are all from the animals from the vineyard. Mm, you love that's that. so amazing. Yeah. Yes, and plus the wine was just like so great. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what fresh. that's the original question was. What was the best wine I tasted? They literally had the best wine, and then also the coolest story. Yeah, definitely. Did you share what they were named? Robert Sinsky Vineyards. Wow. Yeah, it's in Napa Valley. And you can't get that anywhere else but there. Um, I would assume so. Wow. I mean, I'm sure you can buy, you could probably buy it online. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I want to buy a, it <laughs> for when cheap. I'm done breastfeeding. It is not cheap. I will say yeah. that. Yeah. I would, the, I think the wine tasting itself was like back, and that was back then, it was probably like 150 bucks just to go do a yeah. wine tasting. Yeah. But it might be more now. I mean, I bought a bottle there. It was at least 100 bucks. At least. I split it yeah. with one of the other interns because I was like poor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, poor Indiana kid living in California. So. Yeah, it was amazing. I just love, the I love story. the story, and that's, I mean, that's that's how you make money at at you know vineyards. Maybe it tasted <laughs> better to you because of the story. Yeah, but I've also had it like not at that vineyard. <laughs> you know, there's like, I've had it for like, I, and you still one think, of the my intern friends yeah. there bought me a bottle for my birthday one year, um, and sent it to me, and it was still great, even in Indiana. <laughs> which which flavor though did you? Um, like the I think best? it was Pinot Noir was the one I had. I, I really love a good Pinot. Mm-hmm. So you would say your favorite wine that you've ever had is a Pinot Noir from Robert. Robert Sinsky Vineyards. Yep. hundred percent. Does it matter what year? Uh, I mean, yes and no. So, so even more so there because they're not inoculating with a specific yeast strain. So, um, probably based on the year, you're going to have a, based on the batch of wine, you're going to have a different flavor profile. So every bottle in theory could be different. Yeah, um, that's true. But I would say, what was the year? I can't, I couldn't even guess right now um, what the, the year was of the ones that I had. It was really good. Awesome. 
Um, is there anything else you want to share about winemaking, pruning, anything? I'm sure we'll do future episodes about, oh, there was another topic you said last week. You know, we could do pruning, oh, winemaking in general, like supplies you need and things like that. We could do that one in the future. Maybe yeah. not next week because I'm sure people are wined out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do like, I could just do a whole podcast on just like winemaking and grape growing and all that. But yeah, I would say we could um, we could talk about that kind of stuff later or a different one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, winemaking is it's whole it's a whole different animal than wine grape growing. But yeah, yeah a lot. Of, so grape growing is going to be consistent across grape varieties for the most part even Mm -hmm. if you're doing like some people aren't going to be wine drinkers you know people some people don't drink alcohol at all so um some of the things we talk about are going to also apply to table grapes i would say that the pruning methods are slightly different um for the most part i mean you can eat wine grapes as table grapes they have great flavor profiles when we were at sugar creek yeah i liked it the grapes tend to be a little smaller and they tend Mm -hmm. to have more seeds that's about it you know the flavors are going to be just as good um, and you know, they tend to be a slightly more acidic, I would say as well. Um, table grapes seem to be a little more, um, neutral, um, yeah. pH wise. And then also they're going to be larger and a lot of them are seedless. Like most table grapes are going to be seedless unless you get some type of heirloom variety or whatever. Um, you can, I'm trying to think, you, oh, you make jellies? Like you can make all kinds of stuff even out of wine grapes. So, mm-hmm. so don't just, you know, j- just cause you hear wine, don't, totally zone out um go back and listen to the, the last podcast and and this one and just you know th- just anytime we say wine just think a uh, jelly grapes, or jelly mm-hmm. <laughs> or grape juice you know yeah. it doesn't have to be fermented um to be good so yeah that's that would be my take-home point and um we'll do another podcast at some point on like specifics of pruning and i'll probably do a blog post as well because i just think visuals are so much more helpful yeah with that kind of hands-on stuff um but there is there is a little bit of a difference between table grapes and wine grapes on those mm-hmm. things and then depending on the type of the variety that you have in the part of the country you're in your trellis system could look different as well Awesome. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode. I do have a baby's diaper to go change now. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. So exciting. Um, Back to parenting. Um, But we will be back here again next week, every Sunday evening. We like to do a new episode. So continue to follow us and continue to grow with us.